You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. I'm your host, Michael Kushner, and I'm so excited to be bringing this wonderful episode to you. Uh, you know... You know, I went on a little two-week hiatus, and then I brought out Jason uh, Rodriguez's episode, and I think it was that was such a great episode, and I'm sort of getting back in the swing of things. I needed to take that hiatus because there's some um, life stuff happening, which uh, I'll tell you about. One, you know, I have that I have that book. I have, I have a book coming out, which I'm really excited about. It's called How to Be a Multi-Hyphenate in the Theater Business, Conversations, Advice, and Tips from Dear Multi-Hyphenate. And it's getting published with Rutledge Publishing of the Taylor and Francis Group and um, should be out at the top of 2022. Uh, you know, it's I turned in the first the first draft, the rough draft, and then that final manuscript gets turned in in November. So it's a very quick um, experience. Uh, hard. I think it's the hardest thing I've ever done artistically. Um, I loved every second of it, but boy, did I need a stiff drink after, um, I don't worry. I didn't, I didn't write while drunk, but, um, sometimes reading back, I'm like, wow, maybe I did. And then I have to delete those sentences and, and, and write, um, coherently. It's been, it's been a time. Um, but I'm really excited to share it with you. Color images, uh, excerpts from my podcast, new conversations. I've interviewed 112 different artists, so it's really great. And it's all about multi-hyphenating in the theater business. So I'm really, really excited for that to hit shelves and for you to know more about it. Ooh, CoStar just came on my phone. Let's see. Say it until you believe it. Thanks, CoStar. I'm saying it. The book is coming out, and I do believe it. I think that was Beshert, and people that listen to this show know Beshert is a Yiddish word for meant to be, and uh, it's meant to be. So, um, yes, that book is coming out soon, and I'm very excited, and of course I'll update more. Another huge life update is that I've now started as the director of programming at the Green Room 42 which is Broadway's off-night hotspot for cabaret and concert. Very excited to take this venue into this Broadway playground sort of a sort of a vibe where artists can come and learn something new about themselves and uh just sort of mess around and 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 be a better artist because of what they uh, and a more informed artist because of what they produced on that stage. Maybe they discovered a whole new act maybe they this one thing that they learned while producing the show is going to take their direction in a whole new career i want to provide that incubator sort of space um for new york city because there are like no incubating concert cabaret spaces in new york city and i think when we put on a cabaret and concert in new york it's expected to be polished and perfect and i want to create a space where 
that necessarily isn't at the top of the list. Come and be messy. Audiences love to be at that performance where in like five years they'll go, I was at that show when you did, you know, whatever. It's, it makes the audience feel connected and it relaxes the artist as well. And I think overall it just sells more tickets and packs the room better and it's more of an enjoyable artistic experience. So come check us out at the Green Room 42 in New York City. And of course, I'll be talking more about that. All right, let's get started with the episode. I love this episode. It's a great episode featuring Ben Fankhauser. And Ben Fankhauser and Alex Wise, who's a guest on Dear Multi-Hyphenate in the past, uh, have a new musical off-Broadway, which is called A Commercial Jingle for Regina Comet. And it's running now. It opened September 27th. Um, It's running now through November 14th at the DR2 Theater in Union Square in New York. I saw it, and I had a smile behind my mask the whole entire time. I thought it was funny. I thought it was zany. I thought the songs were amazing. I felt a, a part of the joke. I was. I felt like I was a part of a big old inside joke, and um, it's just so wonderful. And it's 80 minutes long, so you're in and out, and it really just – I want to see it two, three, four, five more times – I thought it was absolutely fabulous, and I hope you go see it. So go to www.reginacomet.com and buy your tickets now. It's running till November 14th at the DR2 Theater in Union Square. And now I have Ben Fankhauser, multi-hyphenate, who uh, wrote the show with Alex Wise and is starring in it as well. Ben Finkhauser is best known for playing Davy in Newsies in the original Broadway cast and movie. Other New York credits include Mac and Mabel at Encore, Saturday Night, and Bar Mitzvah Boy at the York Theater, and also the first national tours of Beautiful and Spring Awakening. In regional theaters, Ben has been seen at the Flamingo Kid at Hartford Stage, American in Paris, Big River, I Hate Hamlet, Next to Normal, and on television, The Deuce, Indoor Boys, which I am uh, the executive producer on, uh, and the Tony Awards. Ben is a frequent guest performer at many cabaret venues in New York City, including 54 Below, Feinstein's 54 Below, where his solo concert, Ben's Fanked Up Broadway, had a sold-out run. You can hear more from Ben on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. And please, go see a commercial jingle for Regina Comet. Enjoy. Hi, Michael Kushner. How are you? Ugh, I'm great. Couldn't be better. Um, what do you have planned for this Tuesday? Okay, well, I'm talking to you in the 10 o'clock hour, and I'm going to head down to Union Square to begin tech on my show, a commercial jingle for Regina Comet, which I'm really excited about. Um, we started rehearsals like two weeks ago, and now we're teching, and it feels like summer stock, and I love it, and theater is coming back. And it feels really good to be a part of that group that's bringing it all back to New York. There's something so, um, uh, there's something so wonderful and exploratory about summer stock. And like, um, I, that I think all actors should sort of experience just because it is this, um, fly by the seat of your pants sort of experience, like get the story up in two weeks and right. hope for the best. The thing about Summerstock is like, the show is gonna open whether you're ready or not. Yeah. Like there's gonna be an audience regardless of your preparation level. So you kind of have to learn to like 
let things go and just do your best and know that things will come together in time. And that's a really good lesson because it can be stressful, you know, and, and we can spend a lot of time worrying like, oh God, this isn't good enough or I, I didn't get there in time, but like the, the time passes, hon, like <laughs> it's going to open. Sorry. I mean, you TikTok, know. the time passes. TikTok. Um, cut number from company, TikTok. <laughs> Except it's back in this revival, I do Is believe. it really? Well, I saw it in London and I didn't, I don't remember TikTok happening in London, but I think it's happening on Broadway. If I do, if I do, um, if my gay, if my gayness is correct, <laughs> but it, there's some, I, I like to sort of call it the opening night mentality. And I guess you could also ca call it like the summer stock mentality, but like, mm -hmm. I think it's sort of interesting how artists are sort or are expected to break all boundaries, um, when they're not in a controlled environment, like a summer stock experience. And like, they're expected to like have their phone on them during like a yoga class or like cut like family time at work and to like, you know, learn those 50 pages of sides for auditions and stuff. And it's like, well, no, I need to, you know, I, I'm, I'm pregnant <laughs> or, <laughs> or like my kid's graduation or, you know, something right. like that. And I feel like the, that like summer stock, opening up mentality is carried over into the um, industry in, I think, negative and positive waves. But what are you, like, what are sort of the ways that you have run into that mentality and like what, and in ways that have worked out for you and ways that you ha are, that haven't worked out for you and how do you sort of balance that? That's interesting. I mean, when you say it like that, I I can't really think of ways that it hasn't worked out because like in a way it always works out. Like yeah. sometimes it's a little bit different than you imagined, but like that's a beautiful thing about life is like it works out. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, that as I get older, like it, you know, that kind of that maybe it's a skill that you develop or a muscle that you exercise. But um I think putting up any kind of show, whether it's like a 54 below concert, whether it's a Broadway musical with like a luxurious five week rehearsal process, whether it's a little tiny off Broadway production with a two and a half week and a day rehearsal process, like you're gonna, like the amount of time that you have is the correct amount of time, you know? And <clears throat> that idea that like, oh, if I only had another week, it's like, that took me a long time to kind of like grow out of that idea because you have exactly the amount of time that you need. And, um, and there's something freeing about kind of just like giving it up to that and being like, all right, well, we have, I have a day to learn this song and all of YouTube is going to be there. And like, I have one shot at it, you know, and I, I think as I get older, those, those kind of like one-off performances are like the scariest to me, just mm -hmm. because like you really, you know, there's something about being in your young twenties and being so hungry for it. And you just, you memorize the shit out of the song in a second and you like, have one go at it and you just give it your all and as you get older it's kind of like oh my gosh that's a lot of pressure you sort of like realize in hindsight okay that's a lot of pressure and that can be hard and challenging to deal with but um that's like that's the dream you know that's what i've always wanted and and i think you're right i think that carries over not just in performing but in writing and in producing things change like in an hour, things change overnight and you have to be ready to adapt and you can't spend too much time being quote precious about your work. You just have to ask yourself the tough questions and try and answer them as best you can and just do the work and, and, um, 
you know, not listen to that voice in your mind that's like, is this the right answer? Is this good enough? You know, um, and it's something I'm, you know, we're all still learning, I think. It's uh, it's amazing to hear you talk about this. I mean, like, you know, we went to college together, but our paths, it's not that our paths didn't, I mean, we went to Ithaca and it's yeah. a smaller program, but, you know, you, you went to go do the Spring Awakening tour, which was amazing. And then uh, you came back and then I had gone to London and, and you happened to be in London at the same time. And we got to spend time in London together. And that was right. sort of the first time that I uh, really got to like talk to you and, and spend a lot of time with you. And I've always admired your, uh, your points of views. And, but the, the interesting thing is like, did you always consider yourself so what I consider myself a multi a multi hyphenate is an artist who has multiple proficiencies that cross pollinate to help flourish professional capabilities. Did you always consider yourself a multi hyphenate, or is this something that you later on discovered about yourself? You know, the, it's it's so I love your program because you name it so beautifully. But um, I think for me, it's something that took me a while to kind of realize what I was all about. Mm -hmm. However, looking back. I think I was always a multi-hyphenate. I was always a musician. I was always an actor and then a singer, um, like a wannabe writer, a storyteller, a producer, but I never really had considered, it was more just like an innate knowledge of like the kind of things that I wanna do with my life. It, um, and frankly, it wasn't until I like heard about your program years ago that I was like, oh, that's a genius name. Mm for it that the, the, there's a crossover and so for me the crossover always existed it just hadn't really registered that that was a thing or that you you know you could be a person who didn't cross over like to me we all cross over whether we want to or not right exactly and i think in the 21st century we have to especially mm -hmm. especially i i just think like you know this industry was taken it Okay. So the way that we know that we knew the industry was completely taken away from us. Right. And it's yeah. like, no one, no one t tells artists what to do ever. Why should it be any different than the pandemic? And we just need to sort of figure out what the structure was. And I think a lot of artists did it. And I think what a lot of artists figured out was the fact that like, those rules don't needn't only apply in a pandemic, but they can apply mm -hmm. at any time. And that casting directors, you know, whatever relationship you have with them, casting directors and producers and and other people that are gatekeepers in the industry don't need to be the ones dictating every step of an artist's moves in the in their lives. I love to hear you say that, and my show with Alex Wise, the commercial jingle for Regina Comet is is born exactly out of that <laughs> concept. I mean, the way so Alex and I had done a show um, in Hartford, a really fun show called The Flamingo Kid. And we did that over the summer. And then that fall, it was kind of like, you know, you do a big summer musical and then it's the fall and you're kind of like waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for the auditions to be like, OK, I wonder if I'll have a job soon. And that is such an exhausting process for an actor you know and that and unfortunately that's part of the gig that that is actually is the gig yeah. you know there's all this in between time and alex called me up one day and was like i'm so sick of waiting for permission you know and it was like that's exactly what this is it's like i feel like i'm waiting for permission to do my thing and we decided you know in an unspoken moment that like we, we don't need to wait for permission. Let's make something, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be a concert or a play or a musical, obviously it like found its way, but that's exactly right is, um, 
and I, and I think a lot of people found that in the in the pandemic. But that was always true, and will continue to always be true. Is that um, as an artist, like we don't need to wait for permission. And I think we've perhaps been conditioned in a certain way to think like, okay, there are gatekeepers, there are doors you need to wait to get through. You need to climb a ladder. You need to wait your turn. You need to like go on the grind. And 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 to a degree, those things are true. However like there's nothing stopping us from creating something beautiful just to create something beautiful, you know? And um, perhaps commercial theater has sort of like colored our idea of like what makes something a success or what makes something worthy of being created. But um, th this idea of like, I don't need to wait for permission has like it's been, I don't know, maybe like three years in the development for me personally of like, okay, I can right. make my own stuff. And like, it doesn't need to be a hit. It, you know, it's about process. It's about what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. It's about sharing my view with the world. And that's exactly what an artist is, whether they're a painter, a writer, an actor, an interpreter, a creative, whatever, like it, it's about sharing your heart with the world. And, um, there's we don't need to wait for permission to do that yeah you know i think uh, it's so it's so interesting because it, it sort of looks if we were to like put this on paper it looks like it would be the opposite end of the experience but mm -hmm. i think the there's no equation for success in this industry right like mm -hmm. we think these macro musicals that have you know 30 million dollar budgets are going to come to broadway and that's going to equal success but then they close you know a month later mm -hmm. um and then we have shows like title of show or spring awakening with these smaller shows mm -hmm. in theory that like then become you know massive hits and cult followings and and even when they do close they have regional and college you know lives so, exactly. but i i do think like the idea of the only the only key to success in this industry is is doing what makes you happy because that mm. joy and that um and that and your specific point of view this the point of view that you can fight for no one else can fight for it no one else can sell your story like you can mm -hmm. and when people believe that people will give you money. <laughs> you know, right. I, I just feel like people do buy when a point of view, a specific point of view is really um, clear and it's really concise and it, and it sold well, but yeah. um, you know, you, you brought up an interesting point about like, I, of the idea of what success is supposed to look like in this industry. And it's so interesting um, because like, for me, like I've always loved the, you know, I look at my books right now and I see like Madeline Kahn's biography and Diary of a Mad Playwright and Patti Lapone's memoir, Second Act Trouble, Mel Brooks, like those are, that's like my vibe. But then like, um, then comes along the YouTube generation, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like a part, which is like when I think of like my college self and like researching, uh, you, musical theater on YouTube, there was such a disconnect for me because like, I'm not, as you know, I'm not a tenor who can easily um, plug myself into contemporary music. And it was very hard for me to watch because like I was watching sort of musical theater 
be written into this place where it was like, thanks for your time. Mm-hmm. but now we're doing this and it was and it was and I got into my head for a second because I was like oh I guess that's what musical theater is until I realized that my place is my voice and my perspective mm-hmm. and then we could celebrate it all we could do it all <laughs> right yeah there's room for everybody and it's interesting that you say that and like I that that connects with me as well. Like I I'm I would consider myself a baritoner, mm-hmm. and I like watched over the years, like starting from in like 2007. Every year it was like the range grew a half step, and oh now people are just screaming, and I'm like I can't do that. That's insane. No, and so I definitely get that dissonance and that disconnect of mm-hmm. like where do I belong? But but you're exactly right. Like there's only one of you. You know. There's only one. And I mean, it's, you know, you have one of the best voices in this fucking industry. It's like, you know, you're iconic, man. You're amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So let's talk about your show because <laughs> yeah. you have this um, amazing show. First of all, uh, Alex, Alex Wise is a creative partner with Indoor Boys and um, anything he does, I will support, obviously. And of course, anything you do, I will support, obviously. So I'm so excited to talk about a commercial jingle for Regina Comet. Um, where so let let's get let's get the uh, logistics out. Where when before we get to the how and why. Where when. Yes. We get tickets. What's going on? So Regina Comet um, is a one act musical. It is a ton of fun. You can find it at in Union Square at the Daryl Roth Theater. It's at the DR two, um, so the secondary space in the Daryl Roth building um and we start previews on september 17th which i'm the not sure spread eagle <laughs> okay that's exactly right um and then we open a, about a week and a half later on the 26th and we're we're playing for a few months so get your tickets uh you can go to reginacomet.com I believe, um, or just do a little Google search for Regina Comet, um, and you can get uh, really affordable seats. We're in a wonderful, um, I guess, like new contemporary theater. So it's a really nice space. It's a 99-seater, so it's super intimate, um, following all kinds of COVID um, protocols and safety procedures, um, which is great, and that's how we do these days. And... um, yeah, it's a three-hand musical. I mean, think like what you were talking about. Think like title of show. Think um, a new brain. Think, you know, like your quirky small musicals. Um, and this is a ton of fun. And uh, those of you out there who know Alex Wise's work uh, will not be disappointed in <laughs> the jokes and the goofiness and the songs, if I don't say so myself, are bops and uh the story i think is great and um heartwarming and deep as well as funny and um yeah so we're we're starting in just a week uh we're playing all through september october and some of november so um come check us out well we definitely will um so okay so i i went to the i saw passover on broadway as i'm recording this I, I've seen Passover on Broadway, and then I went to the um, premiere of the documentary. Um, uh, uh, oh boy, uh, the show must go on, created yes. by Sammy Kennold and and um, and Dory Berenstein, which was amazing. And then I went to see the the final dress for Wicked, and it was it's amazing. 
to sit in an audience and I feel like I'm always aware of my mask and stuff like that. And obviously we need to wear our masks until we're fully in the clear, but, and we're right. all vaxxed, get waxed right. and vaxxed and relaxed, please. Um, but, uh, you know, it's once the, sh- once the lights go up, it's like, I forget I have it on. What are you anticipating? Like opening up a musical when we thought the pandemic was going to be over, but we keep getting these hits of these variants, but yeah. what are, what what's going through your head as you open a new musical, which we need more of, we need yeah. more new musicals um, in this very historic time. Hey, that's, that's a big question. So this has been like one of the most joyous experiences of my life. And because of the Delta variant and like the various like threats to our reopening, it's been the kind of thing where it's like, I'm not taking a second of this for granted. I don't know how long it will last. I mean, I'm like hoping and praying it lasts as long as it's supposed to last. Um, but we don't know, like there's so many unknowns that the pandemic has taught us like things can change in a second. And uh, so that is a very different approach than things I've done in the past. Um, and we are the first new original musical that's opening up post pandemic. A lot of the things that we're saying open are, have been open pre pandemic. Um, and we are like a brand spanking new original musical and it is, the best feeling to offer up something that no one's ever seen before. It's not based on anything. It's like our creative brainchild. And we hope it gives people the chance to come in and laugh and experience some joy and experience some music they've never heard before. And all those things that we go to the theater for, we go to see musicals for, you know, it just feels a little bit sparklier and and more special i i guess i would say and um you know it, it's just kind of like we're hoping for the best and and we're hoping everyone gets vaccinated and you know continues to wear their masks so that we can get through this and i feel so grateful that in spite of the pandemic in spite of the various variants we are like pushing forward and we are you know, it's important for us to make this show and to give this show to people and to give people a place to just like hang up their worries for a second mm-hmm. and come enjoy something, you know, um, really fun and also heartwarming. So it's it's kind of the best feeling in the world. And, um, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, I was born to do this. I like this just feels like with every fiber of my being, this is mm-hmm. exactly what I want to be doing right now. Do you specifically have a plan for yourself to make sure that you stay healthy and that you're not exposed to COVID at all again? So, I mean, as the producer, as writer, as actor in it, you you have threefold in the, you know, the stake to be well and be healthy. Like, do you have anything planned that you're like, I don't know, I'm staying home. I'm just traveling to and from the theater. Like what's sort of on your, on your mind? Yes. 100%. I'm like, I don't go anywhere. I don't see anyone. Um, because you know, first of all, like in a small off Broadway show where there are three cast members and there are no understudies, like that's one thing where you're like, don't screw around with that. Um, and then also like putting on my writer's hat. I mean, these days have been crazy where it's like, I'm in rehearsal for eight hours and then I like come home and like have an hour to myself before I get back on zoom with Alex to do rewrites. And you just, you need to be present in all aspects of that game. Like you your mind needs to be right. Um, and you can't be like going out to like dinner and parties and stuff like that because there there's work that needs to be done. 
Um, not only that, like I, you won't see me without my mask and, you know, like, I don't know, things like I, our opening night party, like I'm planning on not mingling during the opening night party just right. because it's just one of those things like it, you, you don't want to be taking that risk. And um, I try not to take the subway. I try to like ride the city bike or I try to walk mm. when I can. Um, and then, you know, the normal things like when you're in a show, just like being hydrated and like making sure you're getting your vegetables and getting your sleep and like. Oh my gosh, this process in terms of my sleep, it feels like I am a robot. It's like, okay, it is 11 o'clock. Now I do the sleep. I put on my <laughs> sleep meditation app and I lay like a, like a coffin, like a vampire <laughs> in a coffin. And I do the sleep and then I wake up and I do it again. Like it, it feels very regimented. Um, just like when you're doing any other show and, you know, steaming the cords and taking care, you know, all those things still feel in place. And then there's of course the heightened, uh, covid protocols um that you know like we're wearing our masks in new spaces or on breaks or if there's a new guest in the room we're all in our masks and <clears throat> our creative team our stage management team our producing team are always masked um so we're just trying to mitigate the risk as best we can and um we've been doing a pretty good job and um i will say this past year with the pandemic like wearing masks i knock on wood i'm like knocking on all the wood around like i have not gotten my standard like twice a year sinus infection wow you know what i mean like i yeah. haven't gotten colds and i think with the excessive hand washing and the sanitizing and all of it like i'm like this can stay we will keep this habit <laughs> we love that yeah we love, yeah and honestly like it was on the train the other day and i was just looking around and everyone was wearing their masks and i was like oh. I, I wouldn't be upset if this was the new normal love to see it absolutely uh, love to see it i don't want to get my yearly you know flu thing that i get mm -hmm. you know every march mm -hmm. um i don't want to do it it's awful mm -hmm. it sets me back days you know so absolutely just wear a mask so we yeah. talked about you know how to get tickets which is on uh which is on reginacomet.com and the show is playing at the dr2 theater at union square east which is on 103 east 15th street so mm -hmm. you know how to get tickets now let's talk about the show itself when writing a show how did you and alex come up with the because i'm obsessed with the story i think it's um i think it's amazing for those of you uh that don't know what regina comet is about uh to nobody's dream of writing one hit song for everybody but their day job composing jingles for commercials isn't the big break they hoped that is until they're plucked from obscurity by a world famous pop star named regina comet if destiny had a child it would be her and she wants them to create an anthem for her supernova pipes and her new perfume they're so close to the big time they could smell it but following your passion doesn't always lead where you expect making a hit song can be a shit show <laughs> sure making anything can be a shit show <laughs> so how did this concept come about what made you say yes like what lead us through it so alex and i grew up together in cleveland ohio and we did i know twist i and didn't know that isn't that wild like we've known each other for many years many, many, many years. We're Jingle Bells. <laughs> <laughs> and we did, yeah, we did youth theater together. And uh, Alex is, uh, is two years older than me. And I always looked up to him when I was a kid because he was like this young 
equity actor. He'll tell you he did not. He still is. I know he (laughs) he sure is. Oh my God. I, he'll tell you he did not have his equity card when he was a child, but to me he did. And he was like (laughs) working regionally and like, you know, I was like, I want to, I want to do it. And, um, we did a few shows together and we've kept in touch all these years, of course. Um, and we were cast as best friends and the flamingo kid like i said in i think 2018 which i saw you do oh that's right yeah, that's right great. i loved it thank you thank you thank you um super super fun show i mean like for the summer yes please yeah um and yeah so we were cast as best friends they housed us like in our company housing we were neighbors and we just got so close and had a ball and like i said that fall I, alex called me one day and was like in a moment of frustration, I think with the industry of like waiting for permission, he's like, do you want to make something? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. And we got together over lunch and, and talked about ideas. And I think our original idea was like, let's do a show. Let's do a 54 below show and we'll do duets and we'll do solos and we'll do the whole thing where you do a 54 below show. And that lasted like a day. And then we were like, let's come up with a story. Maybe, this thing will be different by us weaving in a story. And then that lasted about a day until we had this like obscure, weird, bizarre story about a pop star who is trying to regain her relevance. And she is launching a campaign to sell a perfume to do it. And maybe we're these songwriters and maybe we are tasked with writing this jingle for her to regain her relevance, you know? And I think some of that concept obviously was born out of us feeling like, okay, we're in our thirties now in this industry that just keeps skewing younger and younger. And are we relevant and where do we fit in? Uh, you know, things that I think we're, we all experienced and um, that kind of became our place to channel a lot of that. Um, and we also wanted to write a show about friendship. And we also wanted to write a show about um, collaboration and creativity. And this story started forming in front of our eyes and it went through you know, many stages of development. And we once we had uh, a, a, our concept and, and I think we had a, a pretty decent rough draft, we approached our director, our brilliant director, Marshall Paylett, um, who directed Triassic Park and Who's Your Bag Daddy? And um, he's, a, he's a brilliant writer as well. And um, Alex had worked with him years ago and, and we met over Thai food one night and we kind of pitched him the concept and sent him some demos and some writing samples, I think. And he was like, oh, I love it. I love it. It's great. Um, and we always knew we, it wanted to be, once we decided this was a musical mm-hmm. that we wanted to do, um, it was a three-hander, you know, it's a, it's one of those things like you have to use your imagination, you know, when there's like barely any set and there are barely any ensemble members to paint the world. Like that's a really fun challenge as a playwright, you know, like how do you make this world come alive with so few resources? And Marshall was on board and we got to work and we spent uh, the last few years developing it. And um, especially during the pandemic, like doing Zoom readings, which was a pain and like making demos over Zoom and writing music over Zoom and editing scenes over Zoom. So um, we went through a number of drafts and uh, then we got our lead producer, Cody Lassen on board. Um, We sent him the script. He loved it. Uh, and he's been helping us since then take it to the big leagues, to the off-Broadway big leagues. And, um, 
you know, we spent some time gathering investors and, and sending the script out and, um, now we're in production. It's kind of hard to believe. Uh, you know, we were supposed to open during the pandemic and obviously everything got pushed, but luckily here we are. And, um, like I mentioned before, you know, we've been in rehearsal these, these past two weeks and it's been fun sort of wearing my actor hat again, but also for the first time really officially wearing my writer's hat and it's been challenging and really fun to you know look at a show from an outside perspective and say like okay like what is this scene doing and you know and here's where like the the multi-hyphenate comes into play like i think mm -hmm. my train my training as an actor helped me so much with the writing in terms of you, you know, I know as an actor, I, I need to figure out what my character wants and what they're doing to get what they want and what's in their way and, um, you know, where they're at in their life and who they are. Mm -hmm. And all those questions that I always ask myself as an actor looking at someone else's work really helped me, you know, bring some ideas to the blank page of like, okay, so I need to make sure that in the writing is their want and their need and their, you know, obstacle and objective yeah. and tactics and all that stuff. So, um, uh, you know, it's been really fun rewriting and refining and our leading lady, uh, Brianna Marie Parham, who's just brilliant. Like, oh my gosh, the, the, the oh my gosh, she's, she's so good. The voice like will bowl you over. She's so funny. She's so sweet. And, um, we've gotten to really tailor this part to her and that's been a great joy of this process is just getting to know her and getting to know her strengths and writing toward those things because obviously Alex and I were writing toward our strengths um this whole time and and oh the satisfaction of like creating a role for yourself ooh i can't even tell you like you know what i mean like any line that feels funny cut <laughs> you know what i mean any line that like i wish my character would say there it is you know so that has been so joyous and then to be able to share that with brianna and to get her input and to like find out who she is and how she speaks and her cadence and then transforming the role and and, and putting it on her has just been so wonderful and here we are at the beginning of tech and we have all the elements coming together now our um amazing scenic designer wilson chin and um and and all our all our amazing designers and the everything is just coming together and it's it's, it's so exciting and it's we have this real show and mm. an audience in five days and i just it's it's almost hard to believe after what we've been through the past few years but we're making a show baby <laughs> there's a you're making a show baby um there's a few things i want to unpack there and that's one is the creative process so because i feel like so many people that are writing their own material they have their own process do you like what is the space like is it like do you when you're rehearsing and running it's like do you just sort of like try out a new line that you were thinking of like while you were in the elevator where you're like all right in this moment i'm actually going to try this new line first just letting you know or it's just pretty it you just follow those impulses yeah it's it's exactly like that and like also there are no rules you know especially in this process where we're the actors and the writers it was we were like we, we we're not going to pretend like we're the actors in one moment and then they're only the writers in the other moment like we're all things at all times so yeah it'll be exactly like you said like we'll be running a scene and then we'll stop and be like okay how did that go and it's like i felt okay as an actor but like I, are we accomplishing the thing that the scene needs to accomplish in this moment and if not or like you know this joke didn't work. Let's think of another joke. And then we kind of all pitch ideas and we kind of like spitball off each other. Um, or it's something like, okay, we know this scene isn't working. Alex and I need to kind of go home 
with this and spend some time outside of the room to to come up with a new idea or 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 to figure out the game here, figure out how to make this work. So it's we're kind of finding our process as we go, but it's it's super collaborative. And Alex and I are really not precious mm-hmm. about our work. It's like every so often you have to, as we say in the in the biz, like kill a baby, you know, like. Yeah. Something you worked really hard on sometimes just like is not working and you have to just throw it away and and start over. Kill your babies. Now, uh, okay, I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with this conversation. So um, now there's a few. Yes. Okay. So it, I don't know if you've seen, but I um, I have a book coming out about multi-hyphenating. And, um, Congratulations. Thank you. One of my chapters is about multitasking. Hmm. Um, and multi-hyphenating, how multitasking is not multi-hyphenating. There's quite a difference. But our shared professor, Norm Johnson, Dr. Norm Mm -hmm. Johnson, who I interviewed for the book, because I remember him saying in one movement class, he went, it is impossible for human beings to multitask. And I was always like, why? And he explained that it has to do with active switching, that we don't that we just get quicker and quicker and quicker with our switching. But I'm sort of obsessed with the idea of like what you're bringing into Regina Comet is like that you're sort of figuring out almost the objective and tactics of the actor through the writing. Mm-hmm. It's and you're figuring out this way to actually combine those efforts as opposed to being like, all right, actor hat, let's go. And then reconvening afterwards and being like, all right, writer hat, let's go. What worked? It's that's such a good point. I feel like I remember him saying that to our class as well. <laughs> That's so insane. Um, yeah, and maybe he's right. Like maybe it is just that we're really, you know, it, it's it's quick switching. And 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 I'm not going to say like, yes, I said that we're we're all doing all the things at all the time, uh, right. all times. Like, but there are moments where I'm like. I don't know what this looks like. I don't know how this is playing. Right. I feel like I'm stuck inside the world and I can't really see the perspective. And there are other times when it is a little bit more clear and I'm like, okay, this, I can see that this isn't working on a, on a character level. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting thing. And honestly, I'm, I'm still learning and I'm still like figuring it out for myself. Yeah. But we're all human too. It's like what works for us one day is not going to work for us the next day. Like sometimes, sometimes we switch. Sometimes it's like this weird cosmic energy that is just like it all blended together like there's absolutely (laughs) there yeah there are no rules and and that's why collaboration is such a beautiful thing because you can when you have great collaborators you can trust them to see things that you can't see and to throw out ideas that you would have never thought of and then build off those and that's been the beautiful thing about working with marshall working with brie working with alex is like we're all it's kind of like not only best idea wins, but like everyone's free to throw an idea and then someone builds on that idea who then builds on that idea. And before we know it, we have this amazing idea that took all four of us to kind of build. Um, it's really cool hearing you talk about how you've sort of vetted your collaboration process, because I think what can happen with some people is that uh, you can jump into collaboration processes and they can end really poorly because um someone didn't do the research or someone didn't Mm -hmm. like pay attention to the red flags but like you and alex have a very long relationship and like you know Mm -hmm. each you know each other's uh the things that you know 
trigger certain <laughs> personalities yeah, and yeah, stresses yeah, yeah. and joys, you know, things like that. So you went into this knowing about this human being, even though this is your first collaboration on this level. Yeah, that's a least- great point. I mean, it's, I mean, collaboration, it's a lot about the art of like knowing how to deal with people, mm-hmm. like you're saying. And uh, I think that really helped our collaboration, but just like having that rapport. Um, like knowing when you need to step up a little bit, knowing when you need to back off a little bit. And, um, you know, collaboration can be tricky because it requires you to say yes and, and sometimes you're saying yes and to an idea that you don't quite understand yet, but it's important that you give space and time for that idea to percolate. Um, And it can be really easy to be like, I don't get it, no. So um, I can see how sometimes that you know collaboration in general can can be frustrating in that way because you're like I have this really specific idea and now you're bringing you're building off of it in a way that just doesn't is a different direction and I don't know how to like see it but it sometimes that kind of unknown is the money mm-hmm. you know and the, and the unknown is scary so it's kind of ironic that the money lies in a scary place but that's you know, I think that's part of like growing as an artist is like realizing that that unknown is the place where you actually want to be. And sometimes that place of comfortability when you feel polished and like you're muscling it and you've got control of it is actually not the place you want to be, even though that feels more safe and comfortable. Right. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I mean, I think like that's, I think that's why um, theater is still an art form, even when it is commercial. Mm. I think like, mm-hmm. um, the blood, sweat and tears that we really do pour into our creations and what we do, uh, is what makes us take a step back and go, okay, like we, we did everything we could. We, in, we engaged in our art, but we also put on this commercial brain and, and thought like, you know, thought like business people. Right. And, you know, I think, I think, commercial theaters uh, producing any sort of theater is a really interesting thing because it really does teach a lot of lessons in that way. Yeah. Something I'm learning about it is like you kind of dream up the idea mm-hmm. and in your dream it's, it can be anything. I mean, you can have your characters levitate above the skyscrapers and like bust into a million pieces and like, you know, fan themselves through the streets all to just come back together again. You can write uh, that on paper. I love Les Mis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um and then when you're putting on your business brain you're like okay let's take that idea and let's make it work with this budget mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden you're putting some um parameters around your idea and like oftentimes those kind of parameters can set us free you know like sometimes when there are no rules and no budget it's a little bit like oh okay this could be literally anything mm-hmm. but when you when you put those those barriers around it you're like okay i gotta figure out how to make this work with a hundred dollars fine um and that opens up other ideas you know so i that that's what i'm learning is like sort of like don't be afraid to dream up the idea and then put on your business hat and say okay how do i make this idea work under the circumstances you know rather than approaching it the other way going okay i have to make a good idea with a hundred dollars okay what's a good idea with a hundred dollars uh you know Right. Yeah. I love that you said that because it's like, 
and I always quote her, my high school teacher, like my biggest inspiration for multi-hyphenating, but Elena Garcia always says can and stick theater. It's like you can make magic out of a can and a stick. And it's the same thing with the hundred dollars, right? Like, absolutely. You know, and it's, it's interesting because it's like, when does an artist continue to sell their show with a specific point of view? Uh, like, how long does it take until it becomes like, a self-focused thing or it's like uh okay there's no place for this like how long does do we do do we try to sell something until maybe that magical person comes by and is like i actually see your vision and i will give you that nine million dollars to bring you to a show or when do we start to um change our expectations and go all right well maybe if this one scene where he's flying above the skyline and burst into a million pieces, uh, maybe that's not attractive to some people and I'm going to change this. When do you think as writers, it's appropriate to start uh, to sort of um, change and listen to those clues? That's a great question. You know, I think, again, there are no rules and I think there's great value in seeking out people's opinions. Yeah. Um, something we did with Regina Kama is we consulted, I mean, our producer Cody was really brilliant, even just in the title, mm -hmm. a commercial jingle for Regina Comet. We were like, are people gonna like this title? Are people gonna like, is this gonna make people buy tickets? And we did, you know, market research. We we pulled random people and said, like, what do you think the show was about? Would you buy a ticket to the show? And we like gathered research. And to that point, we were ready to change it. Actually, I think maybe it did go through a change. But like, you I think we need to be as artists, like flexible and ready to change, like always and not be so precious about our ideas. Because that's the thing is like, you can be so precious about idea and, and hang on to it for so long. Um, and just be in denial about the fact that like this isn't selling because of X, Y, and Z. But you know, if, if if the goal is to really like make something that people can see, and that people will buy tickets to, and that can be producible, you have to have your eye on that goal and not the goal of like I this one moment is so special to me that because now your goal is a little bit out of whack. So um, I think it's about being flexible always. And it's about finding people you trust to give you their feedback. And yeah, if, if something's not selling, I think oh, it's worthy to, to try and figure out and valuable to figure out like, okay, what is the reason here? And ask people like, what is the thing that's holding you back and reframe it in your mind and readdress it and give it another pass. And, and like, that's the thing about being a creative, you know, I think Jen Waldman always says like creativity is, taking two things that wouldn't necessarily go together and figure out how they can go together. And it's, you know, there's problem solving, there's like puzzle pieces that need to be rearranged. And um, it's hard and scary and frustrating. Sometimes it's not, you know, creating isn't always all just like imagining and like theorizing. And, you know, sometimes it's about taking an idea that you can't shake and, and re, doing the puzzle pieces until it becomes something more palatable for others and um you know and it's a fine line because you're creating art for yourself but you're also you know i think mostly creating it for the world and for people you know like we uh that's another reason to not be too precious about your art because it's it's not really for you you have to figure out who it's for you know 
Well, I can't wait for the world to see Regina Comet. Please go to reginacomet.com for tickets and where you're going to uh, see Ben Fankhauser nail this brand new musical off-Broadway at the DR2 Theater at Union Square East. That's 103 East 15th Street. So get tickets now. Ben, I'll let you go to tech. You're the best for coming on the show. Thank Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day. You know, use your throat coat and your whatever. What what did you used to do? I feel like you did like entertainer secret or something like that. Oh my God, all of it. Throat coat, entertainer secret, Flonase, yes. just drugged up. Oh my God. Drugged up and ready to go. <laughs> Claritin, all of it. We anyway, love it. Thank you for having me. What a wonderful conversation. I hope to see you all at the show. And this is a this is a beautiful conversation. You're the best, Ben. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate. Please follow me on Instagram at Dear Multi-Hyphenate or at the Michael Kushner. And if you would like to be on an episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate and share your multi-hyphenate story, please visit dearmultihyphenate.com and submit a form through that website. And that website was beautifully designed by JS Productions. If you're looking for a new website, please check them out. They are incredible. And as always, thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network. Thank you to Dory, Alan, Katie, Yo, everyone. You're all incredible. And uh, please subscribe, download, like, comment, all of that good stuff. And keep in touch, please. I love hearing from you. I hope everyone has a great day. And I hope that you're feeling inspired and supported and seen and heard and all of that beautiful stuff. You can always rely on me to hear and see you. So keep creating, keep doing, keep working, keep making magic. Have a good day, everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.